Morning, y'all. How we doing? Everybody doing good this morning? I'm doing good this morning. I'm glad to have you here. I uh, just want to say welcome, especially if this is your first time, second time, third time, whatever. We are glad you're here. Uh, hopefully you were able to find some coffee and some donuts, uh, because if you don't like coffee, I'm not really sure if you belong here or not. I'm just saying. Um, no. No, for real, we have grace for people like you. So uh, we are, uh, no, we're glad you're here regardless whether you have, have drink coffee or not. Um, but today is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day. Uh, thank you for being here on Mother's Day. Uh, if people, it looks like some people went to be with their moms for Mother's Day or they had other stuff going on. So uh, thanks for being here and joining us. Um, you know, it is, it is Mother's Day, and we're still in this, this real-life series. This is the last week of this series, um, and we are going to talk about real-life this morning. Real-life as a mom, uh, and, and, and listen, motherhood is not always as pretty and as picture-perfect as we imagine it to be or imagine that it would be, whether that means having children or whether that means having a mom. Uh, it gets messy sometimes, and so we're going to talk about that and what it means to, for, to talk about Mother's Day in uh, in in real life. Um, and, and I know it's just like any other holiday that we talk about or that we encounter. We recognize that, that it means different things for different people. And sometimes it's a really difficult day. Uh, and so I just, we're not going to gloss over that this morning. We're going to get into what, what that means and what that can be um, as believers this morning. So we're going to go uh, right into it this morning. We're going to go to the book of Ruth, and, uh, and we're going to talk about Ruth and Naomi and that story, if you're familiar with that, um, and what it meant motherhood in that situation meant. Uh, and so we're going to, uh, just to set it up a little bit before we get there, this is a story um, that starts off with, with a man named Elimelech, all right? Elimelech uh, decides uh, to take his wife, Naomi, and their two sons, uh, Malan and Killian, and they, they go to Moab, all right? So um, the, the reason they move is, is there's a... a uh, Hey, we do have a Malin and a Killian here, don't we? Sorry, I just distracted me. <laughs> Malin was laughing over there. All right. Um, uh, so, uh, where was I? Oh, Malin and Killian uh, and go with their mom, Naomi, and their dad, Elimelech, to Moab. And the reason they move is because there's famine in the land. And, I, I, and we don't know if, if Elimelech had heard or if he just decided, you know what, Moab's going to be better off uh, for us. And so we, go, we need to go up there. So, so Elimelech decides to take his family up to Moab. Um, and just like in, in life, real life, things happen, um, things don't go according to plan. Their plan was to go up to Moab to be there for a while, and Scripture says to stay for a while. That means they were planning to come back, right? Um, but as, as it happens, they get up there, and Elimelech dies. Um, and so sometimes things don't go according to plan. And, and, uh, and so that leaves Naomi and her two sons in a foreign land in Moab, um, and, and they're going to have to kind of scrounge and get by, uh, you, would, you would assume. And, and so while they're there, it says after Elimelech died, Naomi's sons married women uh, who, who were, they were Moabite women, right? So they were, they were women from that country. And, and so their names are Orpah and Ruth. And so her sons marry those, marry those women. And then it says 10 years later, her sons die. Malan and Killian die. And, uh, and you got to think about, like, what that means. Like, uh, Naomi just lost pretty much everything, right? She just lost everything. So that, that leaves Naomi in this land, fending for herself with her two daughters-in-law, right? That means three women in a patriarchal society. And who's going to provide for them, right? They're in a foreign land. 
So what we're going to talk about later is that it's, there are principles for, for widows and orphans within um, the, the Hebrew people, within the Israelites, the Judaism, where you would take care of the widow, but, but they're in a foreign land. They don't have that, right? And so uh, where we pick up the story is when Naomi decides, you know what, this is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to do this. Uh, in, 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 uh, so in starting in verse 6. Uh, of chapter 1, it says this. It says, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. So in other words, Naomi is saying, look, just go back. Just, I, I, I just want what's best for you, so why don't you go back to your own homes, go back to your moms, go back to your parents, um, be, with, be with your people, and, and you know what? I, I, I pray that the Lord blesses you. I pray that he, he gives you another husband that will be able to take care of you because I can't take care of you like this. I can't do this in this way. And so she's, she's, praying, she's uh, giving them a blessing, and she's saying, listen, I'm letting you go. And it says, then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. So they're refusing. They're saying, no, we're going to go with you. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons that you would become, who, who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. So again, she's like, why would you come with me? There's, there's nothing, I have nothing that I can give you. I have nothing to provide for you. I don't have any more sons. And that's that principle that, that Naomi's talking about. If, if uh, 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 somebody passed away, if a man passed away and they were married, a brother would then take that, that woman as his wife in order to provide for her in, in a real way like that, right? And so Naomi is saying, listen, I, I've got nothing for you. Even if I get married tonight and I have sons tomorrow, are you going to wait until they can marry you and provide for you in that way? That doesn't make sense. I've got nothing for you. Just go home. Just go back to your people. And at this, verse 14, it says, at this, they wept aloud again. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. So she chooses to go back. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, this is the third time, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where will I go? Where will I stay? Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you will die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if, e if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. So you see what's going on, right? Naomi, basically, she, she has a husband that's passed away. She has two sons that have passed away. It's just her and, these, and, and her two daughters-in-law. And, and she says, listen, ladies, the game's up. I'm going back home. You need to go back home, right? You need to go back to your people. I'm going to go back to my people. It's going to be best that way. And, and eventually Orpah says, okay, I'm going to go back. But Ruth says, no. She says, I'm, I'm sticking with you. you. Don't stop telling me to turn back. Stop telling me to go away. I'm sticking with you. I'm going with you. Where, you, where your people are, those are my people. Where you die, I'm going to die. I'm sticking with you. I've chosen to be with you in that way. Don't send me away. 
And so Ruth and Naomi end up going back to Bethlehem. They make the journey um, together back to Bethlehem, back to Judah. And, uh, and you got to think about what that meant for Ruth, right? Ruth was, Ruth was now the one leaving her people. Ruth was the one that was going to a foreign land, to a foreign people. And even though she had had some interaction with, with some Jews, um, she was going to be now surrounded by this group of people that she's not familiar with in that way. And so Ruth clings to Naomi. And there's a whole other part of the story. We're going to get into that. But when I look at this scenario, and you start, you start to ask the questions, and you start to, to, to find some of the answers and some, figure out some of the implications of the, some of those answers and things like that, um, it really boils down to a couple of thoughts that hit me. All right? And the first one is this. Motherhood is complicated. It's just, it's hard, right? Motherhood is complicated. It can be complicated to be a mom. It can be complicated to have a mom. And, and then you throw in um, all kinds of different situations where you're dealing with mothers-in-laws and where you're dealing with maybe kids who are not yours, whether that means by stepchildren or whether that means by your, your, your kids getting married. And, and so now you're their parents, but you're not really their parents because they still got parents. And so that's an odd relationship, right? And, and it gets confusing in that way. And... Uh, and the thing is, every, with, it gets so complicated because each mother-child relationship is different. Like, there is no mother-child relationship that is the same. Each one is unique. And, and that's even within the same family. Like, kids relate to their moms in different ways, even within the same family, because you got to throw in their personality, you got to throw in their history, you got to throw in their, like, individual needs of the kids. If there's some, some children that are more, uh, have different needs than others, um, you got to throw in their history. you got to throw in their age. What age does the mom have the child? How old is the mom? How young is the mom? How old is the child? All that stuff, right? All that complicates things. Motherhood is complicated. And there's no manual for it, right? There's like, there's no book that says perfectly, here's how to do it. Now, there's plenty of books out there that will tell you how to do it. But which one do you choose? Because they're all different. And they all tell you something different. So how do you know what's right? And what do you know, how do you know what to do? Motherhood is complicated. And sometimes it kind of boils down to the point where, where we get to this point where we're just like, you know what? If I can just not mess my kids up, that'd be great, right? Let's just get them to adulthood without me messing them up. And, and hopefully, like, our target is a little bit higher than that. Hopefully, we're trying to prepare them to, to succeed in the world. But, but sometimes we get to that point, it's like, man, I just don't want to mess them up. I just, want to get, I just want to get past this. I just want to get through this and, and help, help them survive. Um, but being mom is complicated. Having moms is complicated because we're dealing with people and everybody's broken and we've all got different needs and, and that kind of things, right? I think, does Facebook still have a complicated status for relationships? I think we could put that for our mom, right? If we, if we were like making a, a complicated or we were making a status for our moms, some of us would have that label for our relationship with our mom. It's just complicated, right? I don't know how to describe it. We're not going to get into it. It's just complicated. Um, I think it was that same thing, at least at points, for Naomi, okay? I think Naomi was running into the same thing. We, I, don't, I don't know how excited Naomi was when Elimelech came home one day and said, you know what? We're moving to Moab. Uh, okay. What? Um, when I was five years old, or actually when I was four years old, we lived in Sarasota, Florida. That's where I was born. That's where my parents are from. Um, and, uh, and we lived there, and, and dad's, dad got tired of it. He was working construction. He'd come home soaking wet with sweat every single day, and he said, listen, we're getting a pool or we're moving. 
And my mom said, all right, well, we're getting a pool because she didn't want to leave. That was her home. And uh, I said, we're getting a pool. And then the next year, we moved anyway, right? Um, it's like, listen, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're just going to go. And the only place my dad could get my mom to go was, was Asheville, North Carolina, because her sister was already there. She had family there. It was established. Naomi didn't have that. They're just going, right? So I don't know how, so how excited Naomi would have been when Elimelech said, you know what, we're just, we're going. We're going to move to Moab. It's going to be better for our family there. Um, and, and so I don't know how Naomi's reaction for that. Um, but I would guess there's some apprehension involved. It's not like she could get online, look up what's the best school system, you know, where are we going to move, what's going to be the best territory with, with fertile land so we can grow crops and take care of, like, she didn't have any of that. So she's got to be nervous about that, right? She's got to have some apprehension about moving to a new place with new people, with new customs, with new gods, right? Because that's a reality in, in this time period. You move to a new territory where there's new people, they worship different gods. Like, that's, that's got to be, so there's got to be some nerves for her in that way. And then knowing that she is a mom and she's got two sons, we don't know their age, whether they're young or whether they're old, but she's got two sons who aren't married. And she's going to take these two sons who aren't married into a foreign land. And what do you think is going to happen there, right? She's got to be a little bit nervous about what's going to happen with those sons when they get married. Who are they going to marry? Who's, who is going to be all of a sudden now in my family and who are we going to bring in? Because the, the reality is there were specific laws. When you look at it, it was specifically against Jewish law to marry people outside of the Jewish faith. Deuteronomy 7, it's still the case today. Deuteronomy 7 Verse 3, it says, do not marry them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. So Naomi knew that. And she's taken her young or old, whatever, her sons with her into this territory, into this new land. They're not married. How did Naomi feel about that? And guess what? Sure enough. They married Moabite women. They married Ruth, and they married Orpah. How does she feel about that? How does she feel when, when Malin came home and said, Hey, Ma, met a girl today. Is she Jewish? Nope. Oh, right? Was that, was, that a, was that a tough thing for Naomi to hear? Did that complicate the relationship between her and her sons? Was, was, the, was the relationship complicated between her and her daughter-in-laws who didn't come from the same background, who had different ideas, who had different gods, different, like, that's some serious, I'm, there's got to be, it's got to be a complicated relationship, at least for a time, at least when we're starting out. Naomi had that with, with her, her daughter-in-law. And as a mom, there's no manual for how to deal with situations like that. How do we deal with it when our kids make decisions that we don't agree with? How do we, how do we deal with it when, when our kids um, uh, choose, choose people to be around people or to be with people that we don't, we don't agree with? Or it's not our view. It's not our, our, our understanding of the way things should be. Like, there's no manual for it. But the reality is, the reality is, I think, in most cases, whether they're right or not, if they're a good mom, they're, wanting, they're doing it because they're wanting what's best for their kids. We're doing it out of a desire for what is best for our children. I don't know how Naomi felt about her, uh, about her sons marrying Moabite women. But how, however she felt about it, I know that, or I believe that she did it 
out of an understanding of this is what I think is going to be best for my children, right? And I think Naomi, even, even if she's wrong, even if mom's not perfect, Naomi, whatever, I think she was a good mom. And I base that off of what we have in the scripture because when she loses her sons, and she has the, her daughter-in-laws there. Ten years later, they've been married for ten years. When she has her daughter-in-laws, what does she do for them? She sacrifices for her daughter-in-law, right? That's her intent. She's like, listen, I don't think she's pushing them away because she doesn't like them. I think she's sending them home because she thinks that's what's best for her kids. Why don't you go back to your family? That's what's best for you. They, you, can, you can find another family. I can't provide for you. And if she's sending them back to her people and she's planning on then going back to Bethlehem by herself, think about what that is for a, a woman by herself to go back to Bethlehem in this kind of a society. She's traveling all alone. She's got nobody with her. Like that's a sacrifice. She is, she is risking a lot to say, why don't I, I, I think this is what's best for you. And yet... When we look at, at Ruth and Orpah and their reaction, they're like, listen, you might think that's what's best for, for us, but we want to be with you. So even, even when we deal with moms and our complicated relationships, I, I believe that good moms want is what, what is best for their children, even if they're not always right. And we're thinking about our relationship with our moms, right? Think back. I, I, if, if they're good moms, and I know not all moms are good moms, but if they're good moms, they want what best, what is best, even if they're wrong or even if they don't quite always get it right, they want what's best. Moms aren't perfect. We know that because we have moms, right? <laughs> we have moms, and we understand as their children that moms are not always perfect. And sometimes our relationship with our parents or with our moms get complicated. Sometimes our moms, uh, as moms, our relationships with our children are complicated. And I pray... I pray that if that's the case for you, that you would find restoration there, right? That you would find healing in that relationship between your mom or between your children, whatever the case is. I, I really sincerely pray that, that's, that, that you would be able to find that. Because I know, I know that's easy for me to stand up here and for, easy for me to say uh, that, I, that I hope you find restoration for that. And, and your mom knows best or your mom wants what's best or all that. I know it's easy for me to stand up here and say that. But I know that that's what God wants. Because God created us in a family unit. And he wants rest, restored relationships. Whether that's possible or not, I can't stand up here and say that. But I know that's what he wants. And so I pray that you would, you would seek out, what's, what's, God, what do you need to do in me to restore that relationship? God, what do you need to do in, in them? Be praying, be seeking that in order to make things right in that between mom and you or between son or daughter and you. And for those of us that do have a, I say us, I don't have a difficult relationship with my mom. But for those of, for those of us in this, in this community who do have difficult and complicated relationships with your mom or who didn't grow up with a mom who was there um, or you've lost your mom and she's, she's gone. Listen, I want, I want the second thing that I see in this story between Naomi and Ruth is for you this morning, all right? Because here's what I see. I see that family is a decision. Family is a decision. Family is a decision about for you to make individually. Naomi tells her daughters, uh, her daughter-in-laws to go back to each of your mother's homes. She says, go back. Listen, I've got nothing for you. I can't provide for you. And Ruth says, no. Ruth says, don't send me away. She said, you're sending me back to my mom, but I'm choosing you as my mom. 
You are my family. I'm going to go with you to your people. They are going to be my people. This is a, a decision that Ruth is making to be with, uh, with, with people that are not hers. Now she's choosing these are my people. You hear that? So family is a decision that you make. She's making a decision about who her people are, uh, about who her family is. Sometimes our family is not a blood relative. Sometimes our family are just people that we surround ourselves with, that we gather ourselves uh, or we gather to us. That becomes our family. It's just the way it is. Jesus said as much in, in, in Matthew chapter 12. He said, uh, somebody told him, he said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied to them, who's my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here's my, brother, here's my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. I strongly believe that we get to choose our family, right? We get to choose who our family is. Now, as kids, we don't really always get that decision because we're just kind of born into it. But as adults, as adults, we get to choose our family. We get to choose. We get to decide who we spend time with. We get to decide who we look to for counsel and advice. We get to decide who we have dinner with. We get to decide who we spend holidays and special occasions with, right? We get to decide those things. And those people are our family. Who do you call when you just have, have had an incredible moment, moment, an incredible day, and you just, you just can't wait to tell somebody? That's your family. Whoever you call in that moment, or it's the worst day of your life, and you just got to talk to somebody. That's your family. And that's not always a blood relative. That's not always genetics when you call those people. And there's the sentiment that, you know what, listen, especially when it's a tough relationship, especially when it's a, 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 um, with, with, our, with our biological family, when it's tough and we don't know what to do, there's a sentiment that's like, that says, you know what, but they're family. They're family. You got to do it. And, and I would agree, you got to, again, I pray for restored relationships for you. I pray for that for you. I want that for you. That you have to, and, and, and there's that feeling of, oh, you have to do this, and you have to make this right, and you have to, I don't know. I think we get to choose our family. I think we get to choose the people that get, speak, get to speak in our lives, the people that we surround ourselves with. And hopefully, I mean, if for you that is a biological situation, that's awesome. Celebrate that. Celebrate it. Go after it. Get, get into it as a family um, that you get to choose that. But whatever you choose, I, I would say choose it carefully. Okay? Choose it carefully because who you decide your family is, who your people are, the decisions that we make about family have huge implications for us. It's a reality. When Ruth and Naomi, uh, Ruth, when, excuse me, when Ruth decided that Naomi was her family, it changed the course of her life. It changed the course of history, if you want to look at it. Ruth went from being a Moabite widow. She would have just gone back to her people. We would have never heard of her. She went from being a Moabite widow to choosing to be a child of God, to being one of God's people. That's the decision that she was making, right? She, she chose to go from being a, a, a no-name. Do we know anything about Orpah? Orpah was the other one, right? That's all we know. And I don't even know if we're saying it right, right? Orpah. That's all we know. We don't know anything about her. But Ruth made a different, she, Orpah chose her family to go back to her family. Ruth made a decision about who her family was. And we have this whole story recorded because of it. 
Ruth went from being a Moabite widow to being one of God's people. She chose her people. She chose her family. And the rest of the book of Ruth, as you read it, the rest of the book of Ruth is is the story about how Ruth uh, uh, got to be married to a man named Boaz. And again, it's that redeemer situation. Boaz steps in as as a family member of Elimelech, he's a relative of Elimelech, which would have been Ruth's father-in-law. So he's going to step in, and he's going to redeem this family. He's going to save this family, and that's, that's a cool story. But here's the deal. When Ruth marries Boaz, we're still talking about choosing your family, all right? When Ruth marries Boaz, Ruth became pregnant and gave birth to a son named Obed. Obed grew up, and he, gave, he became the father of Jesse. And Jesse became the father of a man named David. David and Goliath, King David, right? When Ruth made the decision to choose, when she chose her people, she chose her people and she joined this line that she became the great, great grandmother of King David, the best, the, 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 the highest, whatever, the greatest earthly king that God's people ever, ever knew. Ruth was King David's great-great-grandma. And it's because she made the decision about who her people were. All because she made that choice. Orpah went back to her home. She went back to her mom. She went back to her gods, false gods, right? That's where her family decision took her. Ruth made a decision about her family, and she became the great-great-grandmother of King David and the great-great-great-great 30 generations fraternal grandmother the son of God. Ruth is listed in the genealogy of Jesus. When you look at the book of Matthew, Ruth is listed in the genealogy of Jesus. Now, we know that she's not really related. It's not really her genetics because Mary was not pregnant by Joseph and she would be Joseph's great, great, great. But what, you, get, you get the picture, right? Because of the decision that she made, who her people were, who her family was, that's what happened we got to be careful about who we choose as our family because it has huge implications for our life. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Who are you going to surround yourself with? The decisions that we make about family have serious implications. Who we decide as our family can change the course of our lives. The people that we surround ourselves with, that we spend time with, that we share our greatest joys with, that we share our deepest tragedies with, Those people get to speak into our lives on a daily basis. And we can choose people, we can choose family that can speak joy into our lives, that can speak encouragement into our lives, that can build us up and encourage us on in our relationship with Jesus, or we can choose people that hold us back and tear us down in our relationship with Jesus. We don't get to choose our genetics, but we do get to choose who our people are. We get to choose our family. And again, I'm not telling you to turn away from your biological families or give up on your mom or your kids, but we do need to think about who we surround ourselves with as a family and who gets to speak into our lives in that way. My last point this morning, it's really a question, and it's got to do with that choosing a family. Who are you choosing? Who have you chosen as your family. Because as I look at this scripture, there's some, it's got some really interesting things about who has chosen you to be a part of his family, right? The book of Ruth is, is really interesting. God, uh, God is, is named, he plays a part, but 
Um, he's not like a character within the story. You know what I mean? That's not a very good word for it. But, but he's not like, he's not interacting and doing things and speaking and, and saying like, so, so it's really interesting in that way. But it's clear that God is up to something. It's clear that God is interacting and God is doing something. Because um, I, I went to some really interesting places when I was uh, studying this, this message, uh, looked into a lot of Jewish law, some interesting things there. Um, and it's because of Boaz and Ruth, all right? Boaz married Ruth. And again, Boaz is this whole redeemer character that we see at work. But where I see God at work is this. Boaz is the son of a man named Salmon, or Salmon. I had a teacher in eighth grade who called him the fish Salmon, right? She wanted to pronounce it, I guess. Um, we pronounce it with a silent L, except for the name Salmon, all right? So Salmon is, is Boaz's dad. You know who Boaz's mom is? It's Rahab. You know who Rahab is? Rahab is a Canaanite prostitute who lived in Jericho, and the only reason she survived was because when the children of, of Israel were planning to cross the Jordan and take out Jericho, she hosted some spies. She protected some spies, and she said, listen, all I ask is that you remember me when you come in and you take everybody else out. That's Boaz's mom. She wasn't a Jew. She wasn't Jewish. She was a Gentile. She was a Canaanite prostitute. Boaz's mom. Boaz married Ruth, who was not Jewish. Here's the point. When you look at the scripture, when you look at the understanding, the Jewish understanding of Deuteronomy 7, okay? That, that whole verse about do not intermarry with them. Do not take their daughters or your sons or, or for your sons or do not take their sons for your daughters. The, the Jewish understanding, this is a rabbinical understanding that goes back a long ways. Essentially, it's interpreted like, interpreted like this. That if your daughter takes a Gentile as a, as a husband, if your daughter takes a husband who is not Jewish and she has a, a, a son or a daughter, if she has children... They're Jewish, but according to the scripture, they're going to fall away, okay? But if your son takes a non-Jewish woman as his wife and she has kids, they're not Jewish. They're, the, the interpretation is they're not your own, all right? So if you're, basically what it amounts to is you're Jewish if your mom's Jewish. You're Jewish if you come from a Jewish womb. That's the understanding. Well, what, what was Boaz? Boaz didn't come from a Jewish woman. Boaz's mom was Rahab. She was a Canaanite. She was a Gentile prostitute. What about Ruth? Ruth was a Gentile. She was a Moabite. She was from a different land. Do you see the connection? The connection is that when they had Obed, Obed wasn't a Jewish, right? Who then became the grandfather of, uh, who is it? Who's next? I don't remember. Jesse. Who is, then the grand, who is then the father of David. Here's the point. God chose that for his lineage. God chose, a, in Jewish terms, a messed up situation. God chose non-Jewish people for his paternal lineage. And the point is, he chose that because if you go back as far as Ruth and Boaz, he's choosing you. He's opening the door for the Gentiles. 
It's an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. You go back far enough, and, and I'm sure there's more Gentiles that are brought into the picture before, even before this, but, but it's clear that God is not saying these are my chosen people and these are only my people and, and that's what we're going to deal with. God is saying, listen, this whole world is mine and I'm opening the door for this whole world. I want a relationship. I want a family and I want my family from this whole world, not just from this individual particular group of people. Because family is a decision, and God made a decision about his family, and he chose you to be a part of his family. He chose you to be a part of his family. So what family have you chosen? What family are you a part of, are you choosing? God decided that he wanted me and he wanted you as a part of his family. If you look at Ephesians 1, uh, verse 5, it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for his glorious grace that he poured out on us for, to who belong to his dear son. God decided in advance, as far back as Ruth and Boaz, that he wanted you to be a part of his family. And he did it through Jesus Christ God was opening the door for you and me because he made a decision about his family. So on Mother's Day, when we talk about family, on Mother's Day, when we talk about our relationships with our mothers and whether it's being a mom that's difficult or whether it's having a mom that's difficult, I want you to know that it's not all about genetics and it's not all about biology, who you consider your mom to be, who you consider your family to be. It doesn't change that you're related to those people, but, it, but it, it also needs to be up here in our mind that there is a family that is greater than all of that because God made a decision about you and you being a part of his family. He wants you. He wants you to be in his family. He made that decision a long time ago. Why don't you all stand up to your feet? And I want you to know I'm not, again, I'm not speaking against biological family at all. I love my family. I love my extended family. I love my mom. I love my mother-in-law. I'm glad to be a part of their lives, to have them as a part of mine. But I want you to know whether you've got a great relationship with your mom or you've got a bad relationship with your mom or you've got a great relationship with your kids or you've got bad relationships with your kids. You've got a family that you do belong to. And it's right here. We want you as a part of our family. And our prayer people want to pray for you as brothers and sisters, as sisters, apparently, this morning. Okay? They want to pray for you. If today's a tough day for you, come talk to somebody about it. Come pray for healing. Come pray for restoration of that relationship that's been, that's been tough for a long time. We want that. We want to do that with you. We want to do that for you. And we want to walk that way with you. If you need prayer for anything else during the next couple of songs, that's why they're up here and that's what they're, that's what they're here for. So um, you can just move at any time. And uh, again, there's communion at the back, prayer people at the front. And uh, let's just worship God for a little bit longer. Hey, this is Pastor Justin from Capital Vineyard Community Church in Frankfort, Kentucky. Thanks for listening to our weekly message. 
If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit us at capitalvineyard.org or on social media at at Cap Vineyard. Thanks for listening and God bless.